What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the She's My Sister podcast. Today, we will be talking about PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and um, everything that comes along with that, like infertility and the physical symptoms and what it's like living with that, because my older sister, Katie, deals with that, and so she's going to give us her personal experience and really open up and share some, I think, really helpful insights so that if someone else is struggling with any of these things, they also can feel like they're not alone and maybe get some resources and information to help them out. Just to get started here, you guys want to say hello? Hello. Hey, really quickly, Katie, um, do you want to just kind of explain uh, what PCOS is for those who might not be familiar? So polycystic ovarian syndrome is an endocrine disorder, which means that it affects your hormones and causes hormone imbalances. So women that have PCOS have higher levels of androgens with their male hormones than women that do not have PCOS. Um, It also causes uh, blood sugar regulation difficulties, uh, inflammation, infertility. There's a whole host of other issues that go along with that. Um, but I think what's important to remember is that it's, I just feel like it's very rarely talked about, but it's such a common, um, thing. Like at least one in 10 women have it, but the number is probably higher because so many women go undiagnosed. Wow. I didn't realize it was that common. I knew, I knew I like, I knew it was more common than I realized, but one in 10 is pretty high. I remember I was um, hanging out with a group of probably about six other women. We were hanging out and somehow that topic came up and we were talking about it. And it turned out that three of us had it out of the six and none of us had known about the other person having it. Um, And the more open I've been with it and sharing it and talk to other people about it, the more of my friends have discovered habit as well. Um. According to cdc.gov, as many as 5 million just U.S. women have it. Right. So it's pretty, like, so the amount of women that have it is pretty comparable to, say, the amount of kids that have asthma. But I feel like that's a very well-known, common thing. Whereas if you bring up polycystic ovarian syndrome, a lot of times people have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I think one reason why it's rarely talked about is because a lot of the outward symptoms can be, they can be really embarrassing, I think, as a woman, which is, it shouldn't be, and it's not fair. But a lot of the things that society um, says are like the ideal image of being feminine are what's directly affected by PCOS. So for example, PCOS can cause excess facial hair growth or like on your back or just excess body hair, but then it can also cause, it's also very common to, for women to experience hair thinning and male pattern baldness, which is as a woman, I think so difficult um, to deal with emotionally and just psychologically. And it's not something you really want to bring up and talk to your friends about. Like, hey, guess what? I've got a bunch of hair on my face and I'm going bald. What's new with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And it probably doesn't really just come up in conversation unless you're maybe having like, I don't know, a heart to heart with like one other person. But in a group, definitely, that's probably not something that just. Right. Or comes up. Um, 
it causes acne, like the really deep, painful acne. Um, infertility, sleep apnea, headaches. Women are more likely to have depression and anxiety. Um, and I guess one of the main things, too, is irregular or missed periods um, and cysts on the ovaries. So, I mean, as you can see, there's a lot of things. I guess symptoms that go along with it. Where were you at 10 years ago, like in life? And how did you like first decide you needed to get diagnosed? Or like, so, what was the process you went through to become di- to get okay. diagnosed? So I first started noticing like at the very beginning of college, like probably around 18, I was starting to notice a lot of those symptoms. I always had had an irregular period, but I just chalked it up to, well, Um, I had a pretty low body fat percentage in high school. I did a lot of long distance running. It's pretty common for women in that situation to skip periods. So I didn't really put a lot of thought into it, but that continued even past when I was no longer in such a um, demanding lifestyle, I guess. And then I was starting to notice a lot more hair thinning and facial hair growth and acne, which I mean... I guess I was lucky in the sense that I didn't really have bad acne in high school. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then now as a over 30-year-old woman, it's like, wait a minute, I shouldn't still be having to deal with acne. But yeah. I feel like there's this lie that acne like only happens in high school. And I think mine got worse after high school. <laughs> mine so, I think that lie we need to get away with. Like it doesn't just end in high school. Right. Katie, do you think do you think that when you started college? that maybe the symptoms started um, like showing themselves more because of like, just because you were getting older or do you think it had something to do with maybe like stress and a lot of changes? Stress can definitely affect it and make it worse because stress can affect your hormone levels, but also polycystic ovarian ovarian syndrome is a syndrome that gets worse as a woman gets older. So like those symptoms are going to become more pronounced up until menopause. Oh, wow. So it, it, it makes sense that like it started getting worse and I started noticing it more. Um, right. So I, I think what was difficult is when I first went to my doctor, it's hard to discuss what I saw in my head as being superficial or vain issues. I felt silly talking to my doctor about hair thinning because I thought it came off as being, um, I don't know, narcissistic or vain when. Which it shouldn't have at all. Like those are definitely concerns that you should have been able to feel comfortable talking to your doctor about. But I get why you felt like. I felt like, well, when there's people dealing with like all kinds of awful bodily illnesses, I shouldn't be worried about something cosmetic. Yeah. Um, so I felt silly even bringing it up. And then once I did bring it up, I kind of felt like I was dismissed as being, well, it's really not that bad. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they saw it as being an issue at that point. And at that point, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is now. Like now you probably because also they didn't know how your hair was previously. Right. So if they didn't know, they probably were like, well, this just looks normal. You know, like it's not really that. I don't know, uncommon to have like thinner hair, you know, some people just they don't have thick right. hair. And so maybe they thought like, Oh, I don't know. That's kind of terrible, though, that you were just dismissed so, like that. Like, that's always an awful feeling. Yeah. And it kind of made me feel like, well, maybe this is in my head. 
or maybe it is, maybe I am being silly and it's not a big deal. Um, but then I was like, but it is a serious issue to, it, I went from like occasionally skipping periods to like not having them at all. And that is a serious medical issue. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I did go to a doctor about that. Um, so I think that's another thing to be aware of. It's like, don't be afraid to find another doctor if you don't feel like you're being taken seriously or you don't feel like they're being helpful. I think I've read that a lot of women with PCOS feel like their general practitioner could have done more to support them. I kind of felt like, uh, let me do like one basic test. And if that came back negative, there was no like follow up or like, well, let's try this. Let's try that. I really had to be my own advocate in it. Yeah. Um, I, so I remember going to another my my next doctor and I remember doing a lot of my own research online and reading about it and coming to her and I remember I had to specifically bring up like could this potentially be polycystic ovarian syndrome and then she goes well what makes you think that and I listed off like well I have serious acne I have facial hair my hair is thinning I have a lot of I rarely have periods which are like to be diagnosed, you have to have two out of three, uh, meet two out of three qualifications. And those would be having raised androgen levels, um, having cysts on your ovaries and having um, irregular cycles. Mm -hmm. So I knew like without even being tested that I qualified for one of those. And she, I remember her comment because it really bothered me. And she said, oh, so you've been consulting Dr. Google, huh? Oh, and she acted like I was trying to create a problem when there wasn't one. (laughs) That's horrible. And I, I mean, to me, these were legitimate concerns. And um, I said, well, I would still like to, I would like to continue with these. There's different tests you can do a lot. Like they'll check your thyroid levels, which is, and then they'll check like your, your hormone levels. And then. Um, they can do an ultrasound and a pelvic exam to check for cysts. Mm. So that did happen. And she said, you know, I don't feel like you meet all the qualifications, but you meet enough that I think you just aren't a textbook example of polycystic ovarian what syndrome. What other, what other, so my textbook, which symptoms did you not? Um, oh, like okay. Sorry. Women with PCOS, they have, many of them have insulin resistance so they have difficulty regulating their blood sugar which leads Mm -hmm. to increased weight gain and a lot of difficulty losing weight Mm -hmm. um and I don't qualify as being like in the obese category but it has been very difficult for me if I do want to try and lose weight or to like I'm able and I'm able to gain it very quickly um And so I think because I didn't fit that textbook, I guess, stereotype, that was part of it. And um, I only had one cyst at that point on my ovaries. And so she was, but she's like, but I think we should continue on and treat it as if um, that's what's going on. And then like, as the years went on, I switched doctors because I wasn't super happy with that one. And they yeah, didn't blame you. And they said, yeah, that's definitely what you have going on. Um, but I don't. So are you happy with the doctor that you have yes, now? Yes, I am. Oh, um, good. 
and that's another very common issue for women with PCOS is that they'll go through several doctors before they find mm-hmm. one that is really helpful. And part of that is when PCOS was first discovered, they were finding it women who were that textbook overweight. They had all of the classic symptoms and they did have many cysts on their ovaries, but now they're finding that it's really more of a spectrum and you can have a whole range um, within those symptoms. You don't necessarily have to have all of them to qualify um, or have issues right. with it. So I think part of it is that so like, you know that's definitely a common. Sorry, go ahead. No, um, seems like it's definitely a common story of the like women that I know that have PCOS. Um, a couple have stories just like you where they diagnosed themselves pretty yeah. much and had to go to the doctor. Hey, I think this is what I have. Right. Yeah. It can, and it, and it's frustrating because each time you go in, they'll try a different set of tests and then you have to wait for those results and then make a new appointment to go in. And so it can take a very long time and feel very frustrating when you're not getting answers. Um, from your doctor. So I definitely think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy now that I have a doctor that I feel like is supportive and I'm not feeling questioned <laughs> with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it helps to have a diagnosis just psychologically because I don't feel like it's in my head and I feel like there's a reason for what's happening. Whereas like before it would be kind of I think that it's easy to make assumptions about people like, oh, they have acne. They must not do a good skincare regimen or they must have a poor diet. Yeah. Um, whereas there's so much more that goes into that. So it's kind of like, okay, so it's not my fault in that area. Or I think that sometimes, well, I think often actually it gets blamed on a woman's weight. I've talked to other my, some friends about this. And I, okay, different doctor. <laughs> so I've been to many. Um, I think it definitely gets blamed on weight as if like, oh, you just lose a few pounds and then you'll be fine. And there's some truth in that reducing your body weight by about 10% if you're overweight can help to reduce symptoms of PCOS. This isn't like a... It's not like it's for everyone. It's not like a miracle, like, oh, I lose weight and all my symptoms are going to be gone. Yeah, not a magic cure-all. Right. But I remember when I was first trying to get pregnant with Josie, I remember going in to my doctor and her saying, you know, and this was, I guess, I shouldn't say this was the beginning. This is after we've been trying for quite a while. Her saying, you know, sometimes it can be as simple as losing a few, losing some weight. And you were not, you didn't need to lose any weight. Oh my gosh. It, I think it was meant to be an encouraging, like, oh, it might not be a big deal. Just lose a few pounds and you'll be fine. But to me, it was really damaging because I took it as, well, it's your fault. And I know this is me being sensitive about it. Like, I know it's me reading into it more. But I took it. I think anybody would be, would feel that way though. I took it well, it's your fault. If you could just figure out how to lose five pounds, this would be all over, you know? And so that's how I felt. I don't think that's just you. I would not have taken that well. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it made it feel like it was my fault. And I know a lot of women who are overweight are often dismissed when they have legitimate health concerns. The doctor won't look past their weight they'll see that they're oh, overweight totally. and oh, yeah. assume that everything is because of that. 
yes, obesity can contribute to many issues, but that doesn't mean it's the root cause or losing weight is going to make it go away. Um, so I think yeah, that stigma I've, I've prevents a lot of women from that. getting the help that they need. Yeah, it's really sad. It's like, if you are, I think a lot of women who are overweight or obese, like if they go to the doctor with a concern, they're worried that all the doctor's going to focus on is that they need to lose weight rather than, you know, that they might have some really serious symptoms right. that have nothing to do with their weight. You know what I mean? So it can be, yeah, that's definitely something that I think is an issue in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know that when I had first gone to a doctor about, um, after I'd been diagnosed, she had said, well, you know, it's not really a big deal. You don't really need to worry about it unless you're trying to get pregnant. And that's true because it is an issue, even if you're not necessarily trying to get pregnant, just because I think infertility is seen as like the main issue by a lot of the medical community. Whereas, like I was saying, all of those other issues like acne and hair loss and hair growth can be just as damaging to a person. Um, but I guess I, oftentimes the pill, if you're not trying to be get pregnant, will be prescribed to help regulate your period, um, to help with acne, um, and it and it can be helpful for a time, but it's not, it's not a cure. There is no cure. It's a lifetime chronic condition, um, but it can help. But I felt like some of the doctors I went to, it was kind of like, well, here's this Band-Aid and then we don't need to dig any further or find any other way to manage your symptoms. Mm. Um where a lot of the time most um, advice is to also change like your diet and exercise because PCOS does cause um, low grade inflammation throughout your body. And so um, eating a lot of like low inflammation and like oh, low inflammation foods and you're, they recommend doing low stress exercises which is something I've struggled with. I kind of just ignored that part because I enjoy running, which is not considered a low stress uh, exercise. Right. But I feel like it's something I get enjoyment out of. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just eating lower uh, glycemic uh foods and avoiding sugar and carbs our recommendations um can you like talk about the process from kind of like start to finish of how you dealt with like the fertility portion of PCOS yeah so just for anyone who maybe like you know is like they've been trying for a while and they're like you know I think I have PCOS and Mm -hmm. um I need to like I don't know, like, what's the first step? Like, do you just make an well, appointment with so your regular doctor? I went with, I went to my general practitioner and just said, I would like to be referred to, you You can either go to your 
your general practitioner and say you'd like to be referred to a specialist, I just made an appointment with a um, OBGYN who I, I was reading online. She specializes in PCOS. So mm. I just made an, I made an appointment with her. Um, and she put me on Provera and Clomid. So Provera is a common drug used to like restart your period. Like I hadn't had one in months, mm-hmm. at least at that point. So that will cause you to have a period. And then um, while you are taking that, like at, like I think it's day five of your period, then, you, then she had me start taking Clomid. And um, hang on really quick. Let me find. Okay, so your options could be Clomid or Letrozole, and they just they stimulate your ovaries to release eggs. When you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, what often happens is multiple eggs will follicles will start maturing, but then usually in a typical case, one of those would continue to mature, and then the rest would just like would stop. But in with PCOS, it's like a bunch of them start to mature and then they never fully do. And they just stay there and that ends up crystallizing into little cysts. Oh. Oh. And is um, that, do you, so, I don't know if they know why that happens. Is it something to do with like hormonal imbalance? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would be part of the hormonal imbalances. Um, so the Clomid is to stimulate your ovaries and cause you to ovulate. Mm-hmm. Um, so she put me on that, um, and you take that for, I think it's five days. Um, and then, you know, you repeat that monthly as needed. Like, um, and so I started out on like the lowest dosage and then basically, and then at the end of the month, she had me come in, do a blood draw to see, and to see if I had ovulated and I hadn't yet. So they continued to up my dosage. Um, each month until they we got to a point where I was ovulating. Wow, that's like so cool that they are able to monitor and do all of that. That's like yeah, really advanced sounding. Yeah, it really yeah, it really is. Um, and I think before I get into the next part of, I think kind of like our infertility and fertility journey is, I want it to make it clear that I'm coming from a place of thankfulness thankfulness like I know I'm very blessed and it worked out really well for us I know a lot of women um have had to struggle a lot longer than I did um so I don't want it to come off as oh I'm complaining I want this to be a resource or a way to help people that are going through it um and kind of know how to navigate that Yeah. And I think that it, like, I think it's awesome that you're talking about it because I know this isn't an easy thing to talk about, especially having gone through it, but I think you're going to help a lot of people by opening up and, you know, especially someone who doesn't know where to start or they're scared about the process or anything like that. I think it's very helpful that you are speaking up about it. Right. Yeah. That's the hope. (laughs) Um, so then each month they have you so starting with day one would be the first day of your period you count out the days 
And then on certain days, and it, it depends on each person, you know, like how long your cycle is, but then on certain days, they basically have you say like, okay, you need to have intercourse on these days, you know, every other day. And then once you get to these days in your cycle, have it every day. Um, and so you're timing it to try to line up with when your ovaries release the egg. And at first it's like, okay, no big deal. But that can be difficult too, because it makes it feel like, I mean, having sex is supposed to be fun, spontaneous and romantic. And it's not like, oh, it just takes all the fun out of it. But but it's like a set work, schedule. So it can kind of, yeah. order can yeah, still be sexy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's times where it feels like, I'm really tired. I'd really rather just go to bed right now. Or like, I'm not really feeling all that great. Or I'm not feeling especially sexy today. But then you're like, but I've been taking these pills and I don't want to be going through this for nothing. You know, so then you feel like it, it, it kind of sometimes I think can turn it into like an obligation when it shouldn't feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when Monica and Chandler are going through it in Friends. <laughs> and it's like, it's the same type of thing. Like and they just had a fight yeah. and then they like. Right. Yeah. But I'm ovulating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, I can, that's how it can feel sometimes. And I think one thing that helped with that was um, sometimes it felt like to me it was all on me and like all on my shoulders. And so something that helped with, and I mean, not by anything that Aaron did, it just like by the nature of it, like it's my body. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel like, I, I don't know, not like it was my fault. I knew it had nothing. Like, it's not like I could change it, you know, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't actually my fault, but that's how it felt sometimes. So one thing that helped was making that like calendar, like as far as like what day I was on in my cycle and everything, something that was available to both of us. So he knew what was going on too. So then it wasn't solely on me to remember like, okay, tonight's a go night. (laughs) You know, like then it was kind of like on both of us and it was a shared experience. It was a shared thing. It wasn't just. Aaron can leave the rose petals in a good one night too, you know, like alternate. It it made us feel like more of a team. Yeah. Um, And he's really good about reminding me, you know, like it was to, to take my medication um, you know, like that's the kind of thing. It's like I'd get embedded in bed, I'd be all cozy, and then realize, like, oh shoot, I forgot to take it. So he's good about reminding me and to not forget to were, take it. Were all of your medications just like pills? Yeah. Um, and I know everyone reacts differently to them. For me, I personally am on Clomid. It made me feel very anxious. And had you ever had any very... like had you ever had any anxiety before taking them? Very minimal. Like, I don't, I'm sure sometimes, like anyone. Right. But very little. Very, it was not an often thing. And then when I am on it, it's, like, constant. So kind of like before, like, just like anyone, you felt anxious sometimes, but you'd never had anxiety right. before. Okay. Right. Right. And I also often feel like I've got so many wonderful things going on in my life. Why am I, you know, like, this shouldn't be a big deal. I should be able to snap out of it. And then it's like I get mad at myself Mm. for not being able to. It's like a vicious cycle, kind of. Yes. Um, So I think that's 
Isn't that funny that we get like mad at ourselves for like being sad? We like don't let ourselves be sad. We get like mad at ourselves. I do that too. If I'm sad, I just get mad at myself and I'm like, why am I like, why can't I just get rid of it? And it's just so funny. We can't right. just be like, it's okay. Like, I'm making it worse <laughs> okay. by being mad at myself. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, you know, and so then there's that waiting each month until it's like, okay, time to take a pregnancy test. And then even though every time it's like I would try to keep my expectations down and just assume it was going to be negative, there's always that little hope yeah. in the back of your mind thinking like, this is going to be the month. It's really hard. To, and it's hard because then it's a yeah. letdown. You can say we're not getting our hopes up, but it's really hard to not like have that be going on in your mind. Yeah. Um, and then it feels like, okay, I'm putting myself through feeling depressed and having anxiety and all of these, you know, everything that goes along with taking this medication. And I don't know that it's guaranteed to work. Yeah. that's, that's So then it's kind of like, is it worth doing, you know? And, um, is there like a max, like, like, is there, do you have to kind of cycle off of it? Like do you have to do it for a while. Yes. Okay. Um, and I can't remember how many cycles I think it, I can't remember how many cycles I was on it before I got pregnant with Josie, but I remember that that last cycle, her saying, okay, I think after this, then you need to start, we need to talk about some, maybe some other options and you take, um, so that you don't, you can't just like take it indefinitely. Gotcha. And I, uh, I knew at the time, but I couldn't tell you why. Um, I can't remember what the reasoning was, why you can't take it each month, what the problem with that would Mm. be. Um, wow, so you were probably like that last month were probably really hoping and it worked out. Yeah. That was, I'm sure that was an amazing feeling. It Yeah, it definitely was. And I think at that point I was kind of, I kind of had gotten myself into this like, well, it's going to be negative, so whatever. And so it was a big surprise when it was positive. Oh, wow. Yay. Um, all of this process has made me very aware of comments people make and comments I have probably made in the past um, with, and I realize they're not trying to be hurtful. Sometimes it's just thoughtful, thoughtless or just plain being nosy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for some people, I think they're, they're but, very ignorant. Yeah. It's not like they're intentionally mm-hmm. trying to make you feel bad. Right. I think some of the weirdest but, comments I've had about when I'm having a baby or when I'm getting pregnant are from men. And I think they don't realize how weird it is to ask some of the questions that they're asking. Maybe because mm. they've never had anything like that posed to them. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, things like, oh, so when are you two going to have have a baby? You don't want to wait too long. Um, oh, it'll be so exciting when you have one. And those are the kind of things people will say. And you kind of just want to be like, yep, well, working on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and there's, I mean, there's so many other reasons why people should not make those kind of comments or ask. It's none of their business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many other things that could be going on or maybe they just don't want to. Um, so like those kind of comments should never happen. But then it's like, then we had Josie. And then a year goes by, and then we're getting all those same comments again. Oh, gosh. So, when are you having another one? Oh, you don't want to be too far apart in age. When's the next one coming? Sorry if I ever said anything like that. Kid. 
you have okay. it. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like, yeah, well, same thing, you know, like, we've been trying. So just never bring that up to somebody unless they talk about it first. That's, right. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. Right. And just because um, someone got married, like the day of their wedding or a day afterwards, <laughs> you don't need to bring it up. That doesn't need to be the first question. Right. It's like they, people literally think it's like first comes love, then comes marriage, then a day later comes a baby and a baby marriage. <laughs> it was amazing. I went from having it be like before I was married to like, oh my gosh, why would anyone ever ask that? Like, no, like you wouldn't want to, I shouldn't be trying to get pregnant right now. It went from that to like a week later having like multiple people ask me about that. And it was like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> it was really a weird mm-hmm. switch. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think, well, right now I'm caught in this feeling of um, like I'm, I, right now I'm, I'm currently taking rounds of Clomid each month like I was before. And it has me feeling torn between continuing to try and take the pills. And then, and the problem is it's not just because you don't have to, I think the pills only have to take them like five days or something, but it's not, it's like it lasts, the effects of it for me last much longer than that. Like adding all those in all that in my body. It's not like, oh, after five days, I like it stays in your system for longer than that. I feel like it. Um, and so I'm torn between, okay, like continuing to try and take these and because I mean, obviously like I would do it a million times over to have Josie, like it was more than worth it. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't know again if it's going to work. And I feel like, um, I want to be enjoying what I currently have. You know, I don't want to be spending my time feeling anxious and depressed when I have such a wonderful daughter right here in front of me, you know, it makes me feel like I'm not being fully present. Are you, is there anything that you can do? Like, has the doctor ever, have you talked to the doctor about how the medication makes you feel and has she given you any kind of like resources to help with the side effects, like the anxiety and stuff, or has it kind of just been like a, that's part of it. So you got to deal with it. I have not approached her about like, I don't know how different anxiety medications affect right. women that are trying to get pregnant or when they're pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not an option. It's just, I haven't gone that route yet. Yeah. You're trying, trying to tough it um, out. Kinda. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll see where it goes mm-hmm. um, from there. Um, you know, we'll just kind of see what some of the other options are, I guess. Um, I know that like when you are pregnant or trying to become pregnant or even while you're breastfeeding, a lot of the other potential, um, treatments they have for PCOS symptoms aren't available. So, um, for example, like the excess hair growth, uh, facial hair, you can take spironolactone. However, it can cause, uh, it causes birth defects. So if there's any chance you could become pregnant, you can't take it. That's also an acne Um, medication, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So they use it for acne and for the acne and the hair growth. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, things that you can't necessarily take. Um, I've found I'm in different 
Instagram and Facebook groups. I don't ever post. I just kind of like reading different posts people po- mm-hmm. have. You know, it feels like I'm not by myself. It happens to other people. Yeah. Um, something that I found frustrating, I noticed it on Instagram more, was there were there's many pages dedicated towards PCOS and like a miracle diet, basically. Oh. And- so I find that very frustrating because I know that's not a thing. Yeah. But I think a lot of women feel very desperate and they and these people are making money off so of So they're like preying on their like, desperation. So, uh, that's how I see it. I'm sure I'm I'm not saying that there aren't people actually out there helping you know like you know like the changing your diet is a big part of managing symptoms. But it's not going to magically make it disappear. Right. And so they'll like post just enough being like, oh, I want to get rid of all these symptoms. Then join my 30 day plan for whatever this low cost is. And you can find out. And to me, I think that is preying on their vulnerabilities. Yeah. Feels like it. Um, And, you know, something that's difficult is bringing it up with your partner. It can be, it can feel embarrassing and very vulnerable to talk about. Yeah. Um, because it's like, you know, like I said, all those things that make you feel feminine or desirable, PCOS does affect a lot of those. And so it can be difficult to feel like, well, I don't feel attractive or desirable because of these things. My partner probably won't think that either, mm. which is totally not true. Yeah. And... I know it's not, but that's how it can often, I know oftentimes though for a lot of women, it can like drastically affect their confidence levels. Yeah, I could totally see that. Like, I mean, anyone, Uh, like when you get a, like some giant pimples all over your face, you all of a sudden feel pretty (laughs) like self-conscious about it. And it always seems to happen at the worst times, but like that on top of like, you know, the other things that happen, like that's got to take a toll, you know? Right. Have you, is there anything that you have found that has really like helped you with like boosting your confidence when maybe you feel you're feeling kind of self-conscious or just down about it? Like, is there something that helps you that you can do? I know when I'm feeling anxious, something that helps me is going for like going for a run definitely is one of the, like the fastest, um, like ways for me to change that and turn it around because it's like, I'll be running. And then I feel like it makes me feel strong. Yeah. And it just, like, just like those endorphins make me feel Exercise better. releases endorphins and endorphins don't, and happy people don't wait. Endorphins make people happy and happy people don't kill their husbands. <laughs> there you go. Legally blonde for anyone that doesn't know. <laughs> uh, so for me, that is, that makes me feel better. Um, you know, it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. Um, and, you know, like, a, I think a lot of products are marketed to women, too, for, like, hair loss. Um, and, like, my doctor was like, well, and that's a, a part of the issue, too, is, like, there's not really a lot you can do about it. And I went to a dermatologist, and I've been to doctors about it, and they basically said, like, you can take Rogaine. And, like, they, like, prescribed, like, a cream, which I tried, but, like, I felt like the results I didn't really notice anything and it would like make my hair greasy 
and I just felt like it made it more noticeable. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't worth taking. Yeah, gotcha. It wasn't worth doing. Um, one product I have found that has, like, I've tried a few different ones. One product that has, like, helps me feel a lot more confident when I need to go out. It's called Topic. So T-O-P-P-I-K. And it's um, keratin fibers. So they, like, statically cling. Like, you just, like, dust it onto your hair um, along your scalp. So, it, like, it. And you can pick whatever color you want that matches your hair. So it makes it so it's not noticeable. Whereas, like, if I don't use it, you can see, like, obvious bald, like, patches mm-hmm. through my hair. Whereas, if I have this on, I think it's very, for the most part, pretty natural looking and you don't notice yeah. it. Um, But that's, for me, like, I don't leave the house without that in because it just affects my affects my confidence that confidence that much but like that's been a big game changer so we should link that in the show Uh, notes yes um that's been really helpful um you know another like little experiences like going to get your hair cut can be really difficult for women with pcos it can be really anxiety produce inducing because that's another person you're going to have to explain what's going on with your hair i can't tell you how many hairdressers i've been to that the first thing they do is make a comment about how thin my hair wow, is. Wow, you would think... Which to me seems really insensitive. You would think a hairdresser like would know better. better. Gosh. Um, but I've definitely had them say things like, oh, you should part your hair on the other side because you're... If you keep parting it on this side, your part is just going to keep getting wider and wider. It's already really thin. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's it's thin all yeah. over. It's the same on the There other goes side. your tip. <laughs> I remember before a friend's wedding the girl that was getting her hair done before me had like outrageously thick hair. It's beautiful. And the woman doing her hair made a comment like, wow, you have so much hair. And then I was the very next person and she went to like grab my hair and she goes, Oh, Whoa. And I was like, what? And she goes, Oh, not, not any offense or anything, but like after that last girl, you almost feel like you're bald. You have your hair is wow. so much thinner. And it was like, wow, oh, saying no offense thanks. doesn't help if you say something super offensive. You. Gosh. That was, that was very helpful. <laughs> um, so it can make going and getting your haircut really like going and getting your haircut should feel exciting and like fun to have a, a good look, hairdresser makes it, you feel beautiful and confident. And those are really crappy ones, apparently. That's not, right. yeah, that's terrible. I have found one now that I really like, and that's part of the reason, like, I wouldn't go to the, I just wouldn't get my hair cut. I would go, like, once a year because I didn't want to deal with it. I finally found one that I really like, um, and so I go more often. I found that, like, putting, I think, I've been doing, like, balayage and putting highlights in my hair or changing the color because I feel like it adds a little bit more dimension and makes it not so noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I used to have really long hair, which I liked and I do miss it sometimes, but I think that it made it more obvious. So like cutting my hair shorter and adding in more layers, I think is I think short hair is so cute on you. Like obviously long hair is beautiful, but I love your short hair. You know, I'm a fan of short hair. I like Um, to chop mine off now and then. I think short hair is really cute. (laughs) It's flirty. (laughs) It's just, it's nice to have the option to have longer hair. Right, right. You know, um, but I think th- that's something that was helpful for me. If you can look, you can actually Google like 
hairstyles for thin hair or haircuts for thin hair or something like that. And like, you'll find a lot of like helpful images to bring into your hairdresser. And I would encourage you to find someone that like a hairdresser you do really like, it is worth finding one because then you explain it once and then you don't have to deal with explaining what's going on with your right. hair again after that. <laughs> if someone's listening to this and they feel like they have PCOS or they know that they have it, like what is some yeah. advice that you would give them? I think advice I would give is don't, don't feel embarrassed. You know, like PCOS is not you, you know, um, and don't feel like you are the only person that has it. I do think it's helpful to open up to a close friend, to your partner, um, and talk to them about it. And the more open I've been about it, the more friends and people or even acquaintances that I have that have actually talked to me and been like, hey, so, you know, you mentioned that you have this. I think I have it too. And like, they actually asked me questions about it before they went to the doctor or like I had one um, friend ask me, you know, like, Hey, we're trying to get pregnant. We're having some issues. Can you kind of talk to me like what your experiences were like when you went to the doctor? So I think it helps other people, but it also helps you to talk and realize like, Oh, I'm not the only person going through this. You have all this knowledge and now you can share and help other people with it. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would just say, like, don't feel afraid to talk to your friends about it or bring it up or ask questions. You know, don't feel intimidated when you do go into the doctor. Um, I actually even found before we recorded this, I looked it up just to see what was out there. And you can, if you type in, like, how to talk to your doctor about PCOS, there are a lot of links that pop up pretty easily that like will show you like these are some different tests you can ask for um these are different topics to bring up these are the symptoms so like it is pretty it is out there and you can find kind of like step by step what to say you know i've always heard if your doctor is not willing to do certain tests then you can ask them okay then i would like you to put it in my chart that i asked for this test and you refused it um because sometimes Mm. that'll make doctors change their minds and they'll be like okay never mind we can do it I have never had a doctor like refuse right. a test. Just in case. Um, yeah, <laughs> just in case. Um, yeah, and there are, you know, there are Facebook groups. I am definitely open to answering questions. If people, you know, if you want to send me a message, that's I'm definitely open to and would love to help if you have questions. And you about can that. send those messages to us at She's My Sister Podcast on Instagram or um, She's My Sister Podcast at gmail.com. Or we're also on Facebook. We are so reachable. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being so open and um, agreeing to talk about this because I think it's something that needs to be talked about more, definitely. And I think that it's very helpful for anyone who might be you know, going through something similar or think that they might have PCOS or whatever it might be. I learned a lot. and Me too. Yeah, definitely good to know. Yeah, I hope it's it's helpful to somebody. I'm sure it will be. (laughs) I think, well, also too, I think an important part to mention is like, let's say you're listening and you don't necessarily have issues with PCOS. Maybe I know for a fact that you have a sister or a friend or someone 
or your partner, someone you know may have it. So I think that it's helpful for you to be knowledgeable and supportive of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because if more people know about it and talk about it, then maybe we'll get more done with like, you know, doctors helping out their patients to also be able to treat it and being able to diagnose it without the patient having to diagnose it themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. So definitely awareness is huge. Yeah. So that is it for today. We're always open to other topic suggestions or ideas that you'd like. Please give us a five star review and subscribe. We literally screenshot them and send them to each other after we read them. We get very excited. (laughs) And we'll not go unnoticed. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.